And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, joined as always by the kid, the god, the legend, El Nino himself, Celtics beat reporter from the Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and he is coming to you live from Atlanta, where the Celtics lose... They lose game three to the Atlanta Hawks by a score of 130 to 122. It was a little combination of the Hawks just shooting the lights out of the ball, shooting 56% from the field. And then I thought the Celtics just were not as crisp defensively, uh, giving up a lot of points, especially in the paint in that first half. 41 points. To the Hawks in the second quarter, who I think scored 34 points in the paint in that first half. Jay, what were the Celtics doing out there on defense to just get absolutely blasted like this? See, I didn't hate most of their defense in the fourth quarter. It was the second quarter where everything was wrong. Like that was a stretch when they blew the game. That was a stretch when they gave the Hawks confidence. That was with the stretch when the control they had over the series like just just went away and I don't mean their control of the series they're still in control of the series but just like the level of like their defense was very impactful over the first two games and that second quarter was just bad Sadiq Bey got going Bogdan Bogdanovich got going they combined to start 10 of 10 and 5 of 5 from deep like that's a wild amount of points for Sadiq Bey and Bogdan, 27 points in the first half just from them two alone. Yeah, and I thought that was the biggest issue. And then every time it seemed like the Celtics were going to take control, the Hawks responded. Um, there was a stretch. Of, like, they came out of the in the third quarter, quickly tied it up at 79, and it seemed like, okay, the Celtics are starting to lock in. They're probably going to push ahead. And then they were down 12 a second later. Uh, fourth quarter, they forced a number of turnovers early in the period. It was like, okay, Celtics are starting to take control. They pulled within one, two. One or two, uh, multiple then, times. Yeah, and then Trey Young had a stretch that was just really awesome. He hit a bunch of floaters, kind of little mid-range shots, had a, a really nice assist. And and just push the lead right back up to seven, and the Celtics just had a tough time from there. So, I, I mean, Young and Murray hit some really really tough shots when the Celtics went switch late. I didn't think 
the Celtics did too much wrong there, but it was just like everything else leading up to that point um, put the Hawks in a situation where they could win it with a stretch like that. Yeah, I thought the Celtics like down the stretch actually did a pretty good job of getting stops, but defensive possession does not end until you secure the rebound. And so they did give up, I think, five offensive boards in that fourth quarter. They ended up going with the switch everything defense. So the Hawks offense basically just turned into isolation on Al Horford with Trey Young. It's really putting Horford out there on an island. I thought he did a pretty good job. But Trey, like you said, had a nice stretch there. He caught Al Horford with that like nice step back three in the corner. DeJounte yeah, Murray had shot. like the three in Derek White's face in the corner. Um, Another huge shot. And then disrespectful point. <laughs> that was, that was a hell friend, of a point. To his friend and longtime teammate. A hell of a point. Just an elite point. But I, and Marcus Smart, I, I don't know if you noticed, but after he hit a three, on, I think it was the next Celtics possession, he did a similar point at DeJounte Murray. I'm, I'm a huge fan of like just swapping disrespectful points. I'm glad Marcus Smart got his disrespectful points, and he was pretty solid tonight. The Celtics had a crazy amount of three-point shot making. Um, Marcus Smart had five threes. Grant Williams uh, did not know he was going to play, but came in, knocked down. He was four or four from deep. The Celtics had 21 threes in this game. Actually, get only six in the second half, though. Yes, but 15 in the first half. They actually got outshot percentage-wise by the Hawks, who were at 44 percent. Like you said, <laughs> oh, cough still there, buddy. Um, but still like you faking. said, um, the Celtics had their chances. Like even Jason Tatum had a, like a decent look at a three that would have tied the game with nearly a minute left. They just could never really get over the hump. And it, I, again, it comes back to that second quarter where Robert Williams was on the court and they were just in this like pretty extreme drop coverage where it just it felt like it allowed DeJounte Murray to just get really open mid-range jumpers and then uh, kind of allowed the the Hawks to just kind of spray the ball around. And that's when uh, the bench really went on a run. The bench for the Hawks there had 19 points in that second quarter. And then uh, that drop coverage against Murray just didn't seem to be working whatsoever. Yeah, and it seemed like like they had a chance to kind of run away with it early. And was their lead 10 points in the first quarter? It was it was close to it. And then Sadiq Bey made a bunch of plays to kind of keep the Hawks close. And then all, the second quarter, it was like just no defense. No defense for a while. That was as sloppy a defensive quarter probably as the Celtics have played since, I don't know, that road trip when they kind of sucked. <laughs> like their, their post-All-Star break malaise. It was just bad. Um so and then honest some of the shots the Hawks hit late were just awesome shots. Like just tip your cap. Murray really isn't a great shooter. Trey really isn't a great three point shooter by the percentages. They both hit some huge ones. Um so you can live with those, but it's just like everything before that just kinda just got away from the Celtics. Uh it, I don't want to say it. it's not good. It's never good to lose a playoff game. Um, and it, it felt like in that fourth quarter, like if, if it felt like if, if they had the right maturity, it's a game they were going to win. 
And I don't even know if they didn't have the right maturity. It feels like if they get like three bounces in that game, they could still win that. Uh, yeah. And so the the way it went after that, <laughs> I'm not really sure that that was the case just because the Hawks did hit some crazy shots. Um, but like it's it's still a lesson like one bad defensive quarter, one quarter where you're not doing what you're supposed to can come back to bite you in the ass because all of a sudden Trey Young has life. DeJounte Murray, who's been pretty good this series, has life. And and the crowd gets into it. So all these things that you could have taken away with just by being sharp defensively, they just weren't. And uh, really, I, I really, I, I thought a disappointing performance from the Celtics from the standpoint of just having the maturity to put down a team when they had a chance. <laughs> yes. Uh, disappointing performance, I would say, also from Derek White tonight. Uh, after being kind of anointed, everyone's writing their Derek White columns. Uh, he only had 11 points. He got in foul trouble early and kind of threw off the kind of substitution, substitution patterns for the Celtics. I think it's one of the reasons we saw Grant Williams in the game. But he was yeah. in foul trouble. Jalen Brown was in foul trouble. I thought they they like did a better job of, I think, playing more physically there in the second half. And I think that actually led to some of the, the fouls, a lot of fouls on the floor. But in the first half, it was kind of dumb fouls. And then it was just like the, the perimeter defense just and the ball pressure was just not there. And I think that probably has to do with White just not. I think he only played 10 first half minutes like he. He just did not have a sharp game, uh, and neither did Jalen Brown, for that matter. Yeah, Jalen was in foul trouble, too. Uh, Jalen kind of said, I, I wasn't aggressive enough. I need to be more aggressive on both ends. Um, he had a huge steal late, which led to, I believe that was the one that led to the Tatum three. Um Jalen went in transition. I thought he made a good decision actually to back it out, find Al Horford. Al Horford went cross court to Tatum, and what you, it was what, a really good look. What did you think about his decision to shoot there? Because, like, I don't know if he needed to take that shot. He could have driven the closeout, but it's also Jason Tatum who had been on fire from three for this playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have hated him going to the basket there. Um but also the Hawks had been much better about actually protecting the rim at least a little bit tonight. <laughs> and uh Okongwu was playing really well. Capella had some moments. So like and he was open. And it was a catch and shoot opportunity to tie the game. I I'm not gonna be mad at a guy for taking a a catch and shoot opportunity that that's a pretty good look. Uh he definitely could have decided to do something different there, but like either way, he would have gotten a pretty good opportunity, and what he got was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like the the Hawks definitely did a better job of sending help and just like limiting drives in this game. It's like, but that's also one of the reasons the Celtics were able to hit fifteen threes in the first half. They just did not have as much shooting. Yeah, luck. they guarded smart with Capella. They did your adjustment, Jay. They, they did my adjustment. I couldn't believe it because uh, I just kind of threw it out there half-assed and they really tried it. And I thought, honestly, like Smart got hot, which kind of killed that 
decision. But for a little while, maybe like a minute or two, it discombobulated the Celtics a little bit. Uh, but they went away from it. it. wasn't something they really stuck with. Um, but they left Marcus it was open it. To, like, to shoot. Despite him hitting like four threes in the first half, he was one for six in the second half. Malcolm Brogdon missed some wide open threes in the like uh, the second half. The Celtics had like I think just as good opportunities to knock down threes there. They just didn't hit them at the rate they did in the first half. Like yeah, I the their one... offensive process was was fine. It wasn't like that like problematic or like ISO heavy or anything like that. Yeah, the one three Brogdon got after he subbed in for Marcus late in the fourth quarter, like pretty much the next play. They ran a little screening action with him, and he just got wide open and just missed it. And that's like, you can't get a better shot than Malcolm Brogdon wide open at the arc. Sometimes you're just going to miss. Everybody shot pretty well. And then, yeah, offensively, like you said, it it wasn't a bad game. Um, It was all – it was really the defense. Like, they – they shot close to 50%. They hit 21 threes. Um, down the stretch, like, they had that that play where Tatum found Smart for the wide-open layup. They hit Horford a bunch of times for open threes late in the fourth. Like, like you said, I, I thought for the most part their offensive process was good. But they just could not get a stop. And in the second quarter, I think it was on the Celtics that they couldn't get a stop. And in the fourth quarter, just Trey Young and DeJounte Murray were just – awesome and they can be that way sometimes like they can both be really good and and that's why you you need to avoid the close games yeah and and they didn't it, like get a lot of offense or they let up a lot of offensive rebounds but it's really tough when you're switching everything and Al Horford's your biggest guy in the court and he's guarding the person making the drive and then you're relying on <laughs> I swear to god I cough more when it's time to podcast and I do the rest of the day and it's obnoxious. Um, but when you're switching, you're just soft. You can't, you I'm can't not ready to perform in prime pressure. time. Yeah, you're right. It's absolutely a, a performance issue. I performance. You can't anxiety. handle the pressure. That's just how it is. Um, I also thought like the Hawks, some of the Hawks shooting in the first half was just, it was wild. Like Jalen Johnson, his two threes. That's, exactly what the Celtics want like they're leaving him open for a reason and he drilled them both and uh but that that said like yeah he 28.2 percent three-point shooter he had not made one in the playoffs before today and that includes two games he played last year in the playoffs he must have played garbage time probably last year but had never made a playoff three before. Hit two of them in the uh, first half. The the Atlanta bench went, <laughs> went seven for seven from three in the first half. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Summer drinking season is long, which is why non-alcoholic beer is a great addition to your cooler. But what makes you reach for one NA beer over another? Is it great flavor, variety of styles? Maybe you just like a cool can. Well, no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor, it's athletic. Award-winning styles, it's athletic. Huge variety, guess what? It's athletic. From IPAs, extra dark, sours, hazies, and more to summertime favorites like light brews and goldens, it's the number one NA beer brand in the U.S. It's athletic. Ask for it. Fit for all times. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Think about it. You're hanging out at the beach. Maybe you're going to a music festival, ball game, camping, late night, early morning. Wherever the summer takes you, the best part is zero hangover the next day. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, there's something like they started, uh, I wrote down the statistics somewhere, but it was like they started 11 for, I think it was like 21 for 24 at some some point like that. Like the Atlanta bench was absolutely absurd, and the Celtics bench just really did not have much tonight. What was the reaction from, uh, you know, Joe Jitsu after the game? Was he just, uh, what was was the kind of reaction from the locker room or or what did they think they needed to clean up? Tatum seemed really pissed. Um, he seemed really upset. I think he blamed himself for the loss. And I think I think it's more than just like the one loss. Like he's been building this up. And this is me like psychoanalyzing now, which I'm sure will be great podcasting. Oh, that's what podcasting's for. It's a wild, <laughs> so this, wild this conjecture is, based this, on not a lot. This is this is my view of things. Um, like he he's viewed this playoff run as redemption for him after what happened in the finals. And so this is their first failure. He thought he could have made some decisions, made some different decisions late in the game. And I actually thought for the most part, he was like, fine. It wasn't like an egregious Jason Tatum game. I thought some of the early threes were probably bad decisions where he just kind of let the Hawks off the hook a little bit. 
But other than that, but that like happens in, in like every NBA game or at least every Celtic team is like, you know, four or five possessions. They're going to take some early threes in the shot clock. Yeah. And and some of those are just change how the, the defense has to guard you and opens up other things. But he, he brought up the uh, the Euro step he tried to do on Okongwu that was unsuccessful. Okongwu was really good defensively tonight. I, I thought he was great. Super impactful. I think he's better than Capella. Um, like, I, yeah, I. I I I don't think that's a hot take. He's he was very good tonight. Um, I don't I don't even know what his stats were, but he was very good. By the way, <laughs> this is an absurd stat. The Hawks bench was twelve for thirteen in the first half, and the one miss was Jalen Johnson's dunk attempt that missed <laughs> when he tried to go up and just cram it over Sam Hauser's mug, and that was the one miss. That was it. Every every other shot their bench made in the, in the first half just a great performance by them um, uh, speaking of sam hauser and grant williams like what do you think do you think game four we see more grant williams just and less sam hauser i don't remember other than almost getting destroyed i don't remember anything else sam hauser did on the court tonight and grant williams came in knocked down four or four and i thought it was played a pretty decent uh 17 minutes, 18 minutes. Yeah, he had a good game. He took the uh great charge. Took the ch- took the charge. Um he hit a bunch of threes. He wiped down the spill. I saw in the that front row. Hubie Brown was very impressed. Yeah, he 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 was doing he had a really good game. Um but I, still like Hauser's just a better offensive player probably. Um they guard him differently, but maybe maybe playing Grant is the way to go. He he was good. He was definitely good. Uh, and then what else? What else from this game? I have no I have no themes. I just have moments. Uh, Derek White taking a charge on a one on three. I thought that was pretty good. That was a, that was a great great play. He's a he's a master of transition defense. He really is. He's unbelievable at transition defense. But he just didn't have it. it t- makes, he didn't have it tonight offensively. Uh and he made some like a lot of fouls tonight. More fouls than you're like used to from Derek White. But he didn't have like the the floater in the lane that he normally has going that's gonna like a consistent shot for him. You have to give credit to the Hawks for like. I mean, for, he shot for four for seven, drive. and he he made three of his four threes. Yeah, but no, like he's been much better because he's been much more aggressive and is taking more than seven shots. It just feels like the whole Celtics team was not as good, and it's probably because of how the Hawks were playing them. They're giving him so many three pointers, but just not as good as getting in the paint as they were in games one and two. Yeah, the Hawks made a. You could tell. I mean, from the Capella decision on Smart. To the, you could tell they just made a their biggest key was like the Celtics cannot score sixty something points in the paint again, and, and they did not. They did not. They did not. I don't know how many points in the paint. Forty they scored, points but in the was, paint. Hawks had fifty four, but again, I think they had thirty four in the first half alone, uh, which is where again where the game was won. Um. Oh uh, yeah, and I thought the fifty-six points in the paint for Atlanta was that was tough. Like, just bad defense on some of them. Um, just, just bad defense. 
just not a good Celtics performance, honestly. Yeah, but you, you, you a, have to be sharp against this Hawks team. This Hawks offense is good. Yeah, like that's a good offense. The offense is um, good. They, there's a reason they've uh, won a bunch of games after losing a bunch of games. Like that was what they did all season long. They they have a decent offense and, and nice offensive talent. And you have to give credit for the Hawks to, um, you know, not letting the Celtics walk to the rim. They made the adjustment. They made the appropriate adjustment. Uh, and so we have a two-one series. Heading into game four on Saturday, the big question everyone's thinking is, or uh, game four on Sunday, the big question everyone's thinking is, how's Jay King going to spend his Saturday in Atlanta? I was thinking of going to some EYBL basketball games. Oh, I got Cooper Flag up there, the main legend. Yeah. He's he dropped got a lot of great, tonight. great high school players. So I've heard. Yeah. Uh, so that's like 35 minutes outside of Atlanta, I guess. Could be a fun day. Also have to go to Celtics practice or film session or whatever they're doing tomorrow. So that should be a blast. Um, this was back to the Celtics. Zero blocks. Zero blocks. Yeah, which is a big Zero. difference compared to games one and two. Where they, I think they had like seven and six in those games. I definitely felt like they like had much less of an impact and generated less turnovers, less fast break opportunities in this game than they did in games one and two. Yeah, their defense just just wasn't as impactful. I thought it was a it's a pretty very low key Robert Williams game. Yeah, he uh, was he, had he a was great not pen- good. He was just not did not have the same impact and it felt like I don't know why why he was in such a deep drop, but then there was also plays where he just got got beat to the rim even in the drop um, and just didn't have the same impact Rob Williams, uh, I guess, normally does. And I don't know. My theory is always, well, from last year's playoffs, is that flying like makes his knee flare up and then he's less effective after flying. After flying? Yeah. You know, going into the altitude. It changes everything. But he's always flying. I don't know. I didn't say it was a good. Oh, you mean on on a flight? I thought you meant just flying through the air. No, no, I meant on a flight. He seems to do that quite frequently. (laughs) No, not just jumping. I don't think that affects his altitude as much. I don't. I also don't claim this to be a very good theory, uh, but it is a theory. It is a theory. Um, Yeah, he. You explain. You explain why he played uh, poorly tonight compared to his normal performance. He just wasn't. Like there, there were some moments where they kind of just got the best of him in pick and rolls. Just, just not a great Robert Williams game. There was, I, I mean, when he plays nineteen and a half minutes, that's a surprise. And they clearly went. They wanted Al Horford on the court down the stretch, even when they were going with uh, with switching. Uh, like Al, Al, Al was their guy. It's interesting and that they didn't go to the double big lineup at all, considering the struggles they had on defense and like how. I guess they also like had some struggles on offense, and they wanted to go five out. Uh, but we didn't see that double big lineup whatsoever. After it, I, it seemed like it was a pretty effective defensive lineup for them in game two. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Um. But obviously, it, it seems like they they want to go small and they want to be able to beat Atlanta off the bounce and get into the paint and create threes. And 
But yeah, I, I was surprised that they didn't for a second try the the double big lineup tonight. Especially like that second quarter could have been a good time for it. Just some of the some of the guards are in foul trouble. Um, the the defense is shit. Atlanta is just in a great great rhythm. Maybe go to the best defensive lineup in basketball last season. I don't know. I mean, is that crazy? It, it's it's not too crazy. Uh, definitely something different than uh, what happened there in the second quarter. That's why it's like it, playoffs. It, this definitely makes this series much more interesting. I don't know if Celtics fans would want interesting. I think they'd much rather be up three uh, zero. But it's going to be uh, fascinating to see how Joe Mazzulla and his staff adjust heading into Game Four on Sunday, and what they try to do differently. I think a lot of it's just did anything hoping- from this game like scare you. No, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bey had 27 points in the first half. Like, it shows that the Celtics, like, can be beat. Uh, and, like, but I don't think it was, like, nece- like bad effort. I don't think it was bad scheme. I just think that Hawks had a crazy shooting performance, uh, especially there in the first half. And then, I don't know, that sometimes happens in basketball. I think the Celtics, like, had a chance throughout the entire game. Um and it's not like they gave up. It's not like they were doing terribly. It's just like, yeah, they set up. They gave up that twenty to three run in the second quarter. Uh, but I don't think it's like indicative of a larger flaw in the team or anything like that. They also had an absurd conversion rate on offensive rebounds. Like, seemed like they just scored on every single one. Is that one of they, Joe Missoula's uh, four factors? The conversion rate on offensive rebounds. I don't know. I, just, no, I don't know the four factors. You don't know the four factors? No, bro. Tell me the four factors. Kind of fucking. I mean, that, that's just an embarrassment. Honestly, yeah, you can keep insulting me, or you, you can think tell me conversion the rate on offensive rebound. List the four factors, o- Jay. It's offensive rebound. I believe it's effective field goal percentage. You believe um, it? You're giving me shit for not knowing that. You can't even list them off for easily. Turnover percentage. And uh, what's the other one? I'm oh, big man. Big man doesn't even know the four factors. Considers as well professional NBA writer. Free throw rate. Bitch. And how'd the Celtics do on those four factors tonight? Both teams were very poor at drawing free throws. Uh, Celtics had a worse effective field goal percentage much better turnover percentage and much shittier offensive rebound percentage. Well, there you go. They lose the four factors. They lose the game. Um, Makes sense to me. But I'm trying to find what the, how many points the Hawks scored per. Would that be second chance points? Because they had were nine of 15 on second chance points for 23 points. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's a lot of points. Pretty there. pretty good. <laughs> There's a lot a lot of points. The Celtics also just sucked in transition. Um well, they didn't generate any transition because they were But I also think there were mo- like they just didn't run. They weren't running. There were moments and where that- they pushed the pace where they got that back to 79, like Marcus Smart had that very nice pass to the cutting Jalen Brown. Um but you're right, yeah. I didn't think their pace was great tonight. I, I 
and I thought even sometimes when like the ball handler was running, there was just no one running the lanes. Uh, there were a few times I looked up and like a couple of the guys were just still behind half court while like two or three guys were trying to run. It's just like you need everybody to do it. I thought that was that was one of the more disappointing parts of of Boston's effort, and and some of that is is that you can't get stops. It's a lot harder to score in transition. But I, I just thought when they did have opportunities, they did not even try to to run and really put themselves in position to capitalize on those. Yeah, they were only f- so. uh, 4 or 12 on fast break points. And so that shows kind of when they even did get out in fast break, it didn't really come uh, Yeah, to and the, the transition stats, um, I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. Um, just like points per possession, points per play, just like bleak, bleak stats. And it, against Atlanta, like you shouldn't really have too much trouble scoring against the Hawks in transition, but they were they were bad. And I really like just watching them. It was guys weren't running. It was as simple as that. Like they just did not run the lanes that will probably be a focus for joe missoula i would guess going into game four like just fucking run guys just fucking do what just you're just supposed run, to do man. just run all right for game four jay king your i'm gonna say top two adjustments whether you're joe missoula you're taking over practice tomorrow and whatever gym they're practicing in you need you're emphasizing two things what are the two things you're emphasizing the celtics do better in game four uh, running, like I said, I running. Thought that, I thought I just, that might be one of them after the rant you just went on. I just it, and I I don't know how how it looked on TV, but like it was clear those dudes were just not intent on running. They were not intent on getting out in the break, and from then on, I, I just if I was going somewhere. I was running. Sorry, continue. You're the second fucking person today who has done an absurd Forrest Gump. <laughs> Who's the first? Who's the legend who did the first Forrest Gump? Christian, the Celtics PR guy. <laughs> That's fair. Well, me and him are kindred spirits. Did a, did a Forrest Gump earlier. I, I'm flabbergasted. And his was just as absurdly... <laughs> Out of play. it was like I just such my a random first pair reference. Of shoes. I've I've, re- I've I I could write some before uh Forrest Gump fan fiction. I like for Forrest Gump's one of my favorite movies. His was probably better than yours, honestly. Well, he's he's a natural talented actor. All right, Bog, what's your uh, second point of emphasis after running? The uh, just got to be sharper on defense. Like I I don't think it was any scheme thing. It's just like. Do more to take away their comfort level. Be aggressive. Get be into the ball, physical. like Brad Stevens would say. Perimeter yeah. pressure. Don't let them drive. You can't into be the letting game. Sadiq Bay just just drive you and and make all these plays and like no, that can't be how it goes. Have some pride. Not some pride. They have pride, uh, <laughs> but like, just have the urgency to realize that it matters. To end series quickly, to not let teams back into series, to not let teams back into games, all of this stuff adds up. 
when they learned that last year, they had longer series probably in a couple of them than they really needed to. Um, and it, it eventually caught up to them. This, this was a chance I thought to have like a pretty easy series, like just, just wipe away the Hawks, get some rest before the second round. Joel Embiid is now dealing with an injury. Make quick work of the Hawks. Take care of business. Show your maturity level. Show what you've learned from the finals loss. Show what you've learned from the playoff run last year. Just have a heightened urgency in those moments when you know you're going to take the Hawks' best shot, when you know they're fighting for their season, when you know they're at home and you're in a hostile environment, although not too hostile because it's Atlanta and their fans aren't particularly great yeah as malcolm brogdon mentioned before the before the game yeah that was a hilarious line wasn't it and he's getting booed by the crowd because they heard that line too uh, not really though like there so all the all the idiot writers <laughs> were were tweeting about these chants so the the hawks pretty sure they they give people free tickets as long as they chant in this one section <laughs> which is right in front of the celtics writers uh and so there were two like t- two rows of Hawks fans in this one section, probably like twenty fans total, that were the only ones chanting, and a- <laughs> they were the ones that Celtics writers kept tweeting about, like these twenty idiots, including this one one guy who was the ringleader who had like veins popping out and was was just really into leading the chants, which for the most part were just like Malcolm Brogdon sucks or whoever else sucks or Jason Tatum's overrated, like just very not creative chance. It's a great move by the Uh Hawks though, uh, to bring in these people right in front of the visiting media, because from the tweets alone, I thought the entire stadium was furious with Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, but, Oh no. Oh no. It was, it was two rows in one section. And, uh, yeah, the, it was not a, a raucous crowd, no, for the most uh, part. It never they really they is. were into it late. Like it, it was, it was a good environment late in the fourth quarter while Trey and Murray were going. But for the most part, they are, as Malcolm Brogdon said, not the best crowd. But I, I don't want to shit on their crowd too much. But I, I did want to shit on the Celtics writers who kept tweeting about the crowd chanting when it's two rows in one section. Well, that's why they pay you the big bucks, Jay. You provide the context that the other Celtics writers don't. Why they pay me the big bucks? Because I correctly predicted on October 5th, 2022, that Malcolm Brogdon would win sixth man of the year. Uh, So I deserve kudos for that. Jay, you deserve kudos for going to Atlanta and uh, doing your job and telling us how poorly the Celtics played tonight. We'll be back Sunday evening after game four. See if the Celtics can actually take command of the series or dreadfully come back to Boston tied 2-2. be fascinating to see what adjustments Joe Mazzulla makes. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, please subscribe, rate five stars. Play better. That's a good adjustment. That's the uh, official J. King adjustment play. Before we go, I just want to say, Steve Smith was fucking awesome. You don't, uh, the you don't hear people say that enough. No, the basketball player oh, for the Atlanta okay. Hawks. Well, what did you just see a bunch of pictures would, of him? No, <laughs> I, just, I I loved Steve Smith when I was younger. He was just so fun to watch the the Smitty move in the post. Like, just had a lot of game in the post, and I uh, I always appreciated the perimeter guy 
who could just go down and, and cook you on the block. And so tonight before the game, I spent like half an hour just watching Steve Smith clip. Is Steve Smith was, like next to you right time. now? Or are you just complimenting him? Is he holding you? A no, game? this is just totally random. I ha- There was no like reason to be watching Steve Smith clips before the game, except being in Atlanta triggered thoughts of Steve Smith. And so uh, just want to say shout out to Steve Smith. He did some awesome shit as a player. Yeah. Shout out to Steve Smith. Shout out to also Steve Smith. Uh, Carolina Panthers wide receiver. He was also very good. Uh, now host a show he's with uh, a, Coley Mick. He's on, an under, fantasy. underdog fantasy guy, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's why time. you want to shout him out. Yeah, well, I just want to shout him out for his performance in his career, but also he's a he's a teammate of mine. You know, I try to build people up, Jay. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm a man who builds <laughs> builds people up. That's what we do here. Positivity on anything is potable. <laughs> Damn it! All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, We'll be back later Sunday evening for another episode of Anything is Potable! The Hawks shot 64.3% on mid-range shots. That's pretty good. 18 for 28. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.